Welcome to Victory GP. We're excited you've joined us, and we hope you're impacted and inspired by today's message. King Jesus knows us, loves us, is connected to us. Like, mind-blowing, isn't it? The fact that we actually have connection with the God of the universe, like that in the midst of whatever all is going on, it's just, it's literally unfathomable and unsearchable and we'll spend our lifetimes doing it, searching out who he is, searching out his goodness, searching out his faithfulness. And today we're going to talk briefly about feasting on faithfulness. And last weekend, um, we all had our Thanksgiving feasts, whatever they looked like, and, you know, some have more than others, but the faithfulness of God is what we were celebrating, the goodness of God. And I was thinking about, um, unlike Mel, I do not consider cleaning on my day off a fun thing, or, or cooking, or baking, or anything like that, but um, I feel like the Thanksgiving feast is my personal challenge. And so, I mean, I'm terrified of cooking the bird itself. I, I won't touch it. That's Wayne's thing. It's disgusting. Um, but I, I mean, I'll eat it. I just don't want to touch it. But um, everything else. And so I make it my personal mission to like go through and like what is everybody's favorite and how do they like it cooked and how do they like it put together. And the only thing that I refuse to do, Gary and likes canned cranberries, which I'm like, gross. Um, but whatever. So he has to eat the, the real ones, which I make people. I, I know. And everybody who's ever done it is like, yeah, that's sugar and water in a pot. That's, I consider it an achievement and it's wonderful. So anyway, my whole thing is I'm like, I like go over, like as I'm setting it out and like the grocery list is like, it takes days to put together because I forget the stuff that needs to be, you know, and, and you remember it at two in the morning when you're like, you wake up in the night and it's like, oh, we need the, you know, so the stuff. Um, but I, I personally enjoy then watching everybody find their thing. You know, and, and, and you ask people, they sit around the table and you're like, did everybody get everything, you know? And so I try and push olives on people and they don't want them and um, stuff like that. But, you know, I, I get joy out of seeing everybody have joy around the table once a year. Um, <laughs> the rest of the time we order pizza. But um, I was thinking about how sad I would be if, like, nobody really felt like eating like, oh, we had a snack on the way over, and we're, not, we're sorry, we're just not that hungry. Or like, if somebody sat down and just said, you know what, I'm good with just mashed potatoes. Like, potatoes are my jam, totally. I'm, thank you for cooking the potatoes. I'd be like, what about all the other stuff that I prepared for you, right? What about all the other things? If I had all these full dishes left at the end of the day, but just the white potatoes are gone, like, I'd be so sad. And I was thinking about this verse that's in, it's just been mulling over in my spirit the last couple of weeks, and Psalm 37, 3, and I love it in the Passion Translation, it says, keep trusting in the Lord, and do what is right in His eyes. Fix your heart on the promises of God, and you will be secure, feasting on His faithfulness. That is more than mashed potato faith. That is feasting on his faithfulness, right? Fix your heart on the promises of God and you will be secure. Feasting on his faithfulness. Feasting on faithfulness. Meaning the things of God should be exciting to us. They should be new. There should be a broadness and a depth to it. And there should be more in the journey as we go along. There's more to explore. There's more to discover. There are promises. There are things. And feasting is not just an add-on to life. Feasting is an activity. Right? Feasting is a focus. Some of us get stretchy pants just to feast in. Right? Feasting is a... It's a... Right? Dave's like, yeah, absolutely. It's an activity that we go after, that we plan for. That, you know, it's the thing. How do we approach our life with God? How do we appro approach that, that experience of his faithfulness? And I was thinking about the standard. You know, I don't want to belittle at all. But we're all pretty confident um, that we know and understand Psalm 23, right? The Lord is my shepherd. This is, this is the verse that we pull up in all kinds of times, particularly difficult times, talking about going through the valley of the shadow of death. But literally, King David wrote, Psalm 23, 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And we'll take that as like, so for all of us, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. 
Let me present to you, it is like the possibility is there that the Lord is your shepherd, you shall not want. But it could be the Lord is my technical shepherd and I want all the stuff that I can do for myself. And when I'm really in a bind, he'll help me. So I've got a little video to just show us um, what this might look like in our lives. So if we can just... Anybody feeling like that kind of sheep right now? <laughs> it is possible that the Lord is our shepherd and we're still wanting because we got a lot of us going on. There's a lot of our own ambition, our own pursuits, our own solutions, our own stuff. And then we find ourselves in those moments and we tend to then pull out the scripture verses and the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, he leads me. And, and, but we haven't asked him anything up until now. We didn't ask him if this was a good place to go. We didn't ask him if this was a good decision. We didn't ask him how he felt about it. What, you know, but we're expecting him to just dig us out of the hole. And sometimes we just live life that way. What's your experience with God? Oh, he rescues me. How many times does he have to rescue you? Like, how, you know, he is there to do that. He supplies my need. But how far did you drift off of the green pastures that he presented before you? How many times did we go into the places that we wanted to go? And so we want to just kind of look at this. This faithfulness of God is, is a choice that we get to apply or not. So we may have a walk with God that is kind of surfacy, and um, and we'll sing and we'll say, like, I give you everything. We actually sang it this morning. I almost wanted to throw a warning on the screen. Like I, I am giving my life as a living sacrifice. God hears that and takes it as truth, right? We've committed to giving him stuff. And then he asks us little things and he gives us little nudges of obedience. And we're like, well, not that though. Like, I mean, you, like the boundary lines are within Sunday, you know, really. And, and so God calls us to more, but let's look at John 10, 7 to 10. So our New Testament picture of this, King David declared it, New Testament. Jesus said to them again, most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever come before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and kill and destroy. And I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. And so when we look at this verse, I, my favorite verse is John 10, 10. Like it so helps me navigate life that God is here. Like Jesus is the good shepherd, that he is here to um, give us life and life abundantly. And we can recognize there's a thief that is here to steal, kill, and destroy. And I feel like sometimes we just take it and we cherry pick it out of the fact that it's a shepherding verse. 
It's a fact that somebody is actually guiding our lives. Somebody knows where the good pasture is. Somebody knows where we should be led to and through. Somebody has a bigger picture. And so we want the life and life abundantly, but we don't always want the shepherd. We want life abundantly, but we don't always want the shepherd. And he says here, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. So there is a, there is a discovery of the pasture that God has for us, of the good things that he has for us. It's a discovery that comes in submission to the shepherd. There's a, there's a place where we connect with him. Interestingly, the verse in uh, Psalm 37, and we're going to kind of harp on that for a little bit this morning, but where it's literally talking about feasting on his faithfulness, there's a ton of different translations. It's actually quite different in almost every translation of the Bible. And um, the reason is because it is a shepherding verse. It's a verse that's specifically talking about an action. It's the activity of shepherding. And so it's feasting on his faithfulness is partaking of his shepherding over us is actually what it means. So we're, if we're going to, we have faithfulness available to us. We have his presence available to us. We have his guidance available to us, but we choose to be shepherded. We choose to feast on his faithfulness. We come into agreement with this. And so when we look at um, the concept of sheep, the concept of livestock in general, we know that how they come to be where they are is usually one of two things. They're either born onto the farm or they're purchased to be on the farm, right? We're kind of the same, kind of not. We are born into the family of God because it's been purchased for us to be part of the family of God, but we choose to say yes to him. So nobody ever goes to like a livestock option and goes to the cow or the sheep. Like, do you, do you, do you want to come home with us? Like, would you, would you like to live? We have a really nice place, like nice, nice fields. Like, I should be good. Would you like to, you know, the, the animals don't get a choice, but God has given humans free will. And so some of the leading and the guiding and the stuff that we expect that God will just nudge me if I'm, if I'm off, we got to go back to the very beginning of our relationship. He offered us the relationship. We chose him. We were purchased by him, and we chose to be born into this family. We chose to come into this relationship. Every part of the experience that we have with him after that is also a choice. God does not infuse himself onto us or force himself onto us. He gives us the option. We can feast on his faithfulness, or we can just think that it's out there somewhere should we need it. So some of the things that should happen, some of the things that are available when we are, um, you know, we come into Christ, it's what we read in the Bible. You know, I was blind, but now I see. I was lame, but now I walk. The brokenness that, that um, people carried around, the bondage, the d- demonization, it kind of was totally transformed in all the stories in the Bible. And yet sometimes we come into Christ and we don't experience the same outcome. It's like, I, I'm really struggling with this. I'm still struggling with that. I'm struggling with this. But what we see in the word is people who completely surrendered and gave yes to God, right? They decided to let Jesus be everything to them. And I think in our culture, sometimes what we do is we ask, you know, people, you know, would you like to know Jesus? Would you like to have love unconditionally? Would you like to know like that peace on the inside? Yes. But we neglect to tell them, and it should cost you everything. It's a life exchange. It's exactly what was sung this morning. He laid his down, down his life for us, and we give our life back to him. And he lives in us. God lives in us. And this life that I live now, I live by faith in the Son of God. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So something changes. I can continue to try and live like an independent sheep and find myself in situations like we just saw, or I can be a surrendered sheep, and I'm going where the shepherd leads, and I live in the abundance that he's promised me. And so the level of surrender has everything to do with how much we get to feast on his faithfulness. He's always faithful. He's always good. He is always there. He is always wisdom, always strength, always kindness, always mercy. He's everything that we need, but we choose whether we're gonna partake of it or not. And this is a big thing. 
Part of it is the actual will, and part of it is the practice. So let's lean into this a little bit. Hebrews 5, 12 to 14, talks about this decision. It talks about this choice to grow. It talks about how we, how we lay hold of God or not. Do we engage him or not? And it says, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk, not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he's a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern between both good and evil. Through reason of use, by choosing to put a draw on faith, by choosing to engage God, by choosing to pull him into the relationships of our lives, the decisions of our lives, the actions, the direction of our life, when we're engaging him in those areas, when we're choosing to put faith to work, we learn to discern what is good, what is evil, what is God, what is not. It actually happens by a developed thing. And so it's that same thing, you develop your taste you know, there's people who, who literally, I mean, one of the things that I like is olive stuff with blue cheese. Um, I'm sure some people think that is revolting. Um, but through reason of use, I have over time learned to like things that probably taste weird to other people. Now, there's, there's things that I've experienced traveling in other countries when it's like, you know, you're on a missions trip and it's polite to eat whatever's put in front of you. And sometimes it's like, I'm, I'm not positive what that is. I'm not going to ask, so it's not messing with my head. But you know the texture, the taste, the whatever. And the people who serve it are like, this is our favorite thing. We thought you'd love it. Because by reason of use, their taste has been tempered to like that. They probably would hate what I'm eating, right? There's this thing. But by reason of use, we learn to develop the things of God, the faith of God. What's available to us when we were born again? Everything. The entirety of the kingdom is available to us. But are we mature enough to lay hold of it? Are we grown enough to steward it? Are we able to actually lock into the stuff that God has for us? Or have we decided to stay in baby steps and we've decided to stay in that spot where I don't really want to trust him. I don't really want to get in the word. I don't really want to study. I don't really want to, I don't, I don't want to get my hopes up. I don't want to whatever. I don't want to change my life. I just want Jesus to make my life better. That is literally like diving into the hole again and again and again and having your little sheep butt pulled out of there on the regular because you won't surrender, right? That's, where, that's what God is like. He's inviting us. What I'm promising you is life and life abundantly, but it's gonna, through reason of use, you'll lay hold of it. You, there's going to be some, some ways that you have to change, some things that need to grow, some things that need to develop. We can't say, well, those people seem to have a God-kissed life. Like uh, everything, everything they touch is golden and my life is just terrible. Well, what, what of faith are they activating? What has developed? What is growing in them? What is maturing in them? If we go on a little further in Hebrews, and it's a really great passage, um, kind of the, the chapters in there, chapter 4 to um, Eight, I would say, if you want to study just the process of faith. But Hebrews 6, 9 to 12, Paul's talking, and he goes a little bit further after that you should be, you should be past the baby food. And he says, but beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you. Yes, things that accompany salvation. That phrase right there might catch a few people. Salvation is your eternal future. Salvation is the point where God breathes life back into what was dead through sin. But the things that accompany salvation, isn't that interesting? Though we speak in this manner, for God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love which you have shown towards his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope to the end, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. There's nothing that feels good about that sentence, <laughs> right? Like, we do not want you to become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith 
and patience inherit the promises. It means that there's literally a my part. Like everything is possible. Everything is available. God is who he is. And yet if I'm going to feast on his faithfulness, I actually have to, through faith and patience, inherit the promises. There's things that I have to apply. There's things that I have to go after. There's things that I have to believe. There's things that I have to speak. We develop this, this place where the sluggishness is broken off of us and we're mature enough to lay hold of the kingdom. We're mature enough to actually apply the good things of God. And that maturity is going to be a choice. It's the thing that is talked about in Isaiah 61. Jesus um, indicated that it was about him when he said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me too. And part of it is in um, so Isaiah 61 says to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Which sort of sounds like the same thing, right? But they're two different things. Liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound means that there are people who are captive and they need to be set free. And there are people who are in a prison that has the doors wide open, but they won't walk out. They're just there. They're just stuck there. And it's kind of this thing where some of the past brokenness can hold us captive. And we choose, we don't experience the faithfulness of God, the goodness of God, the fullness of life abundantly in him, because we're stuck living in that brokenness. And uh, studies are showing that there's, you know, it happens after trauma, kids that have been traumatized, um, even sometimes uh, soldiers that come back from war, that kind of thing. For instance, they will sleep on the floor in the house where they've been taken to. Where, when they're in a new safe environment, they'll sleep on the floor. And the reason they sleep on the floor is kind of a psychological thing where they're looking for, they don't want to fall deep enough asleep that they lose control. They don't want anything to sneak up on them. They, they want to stay semi-alert. So they want to be ready to jump up and defend themselves if they need to, which is a horrible thing, but that's an instinct that's there. I think sometimes we come to Christ, we say yes to Jesus, but then we sort of sleep on the floor, spiritually speaking, because we want to defend ourselves if anything should come against us. We're not ready to actually let the good shepherd fight our fights. We're not actually ready to let the good shepherd feed us. We're not actually ready to let the good shepherd lead us and guide us and direct us. We kind of want to maintain the control. And the control will keep us in this place where honestly, we're sluggish. Where we can't fight the good fight of faith. Where we're not engaged in the situation. And so we need to be challenged in that. We need to step out and we need to, like this is why we've been doing the crazy faith series. What is it that God wants to pull out of you? Some people, you know, will we'll go through hard times and we'll get into a prayer mode and it'll be like, what do you want from me, God? He's not trying to get something from us. He is literally trying to get something to us. But our hands are so full holding on to our own stuff, we can't receive it. And so this choice to feast on his faithfulness is about releasing some control and giving it to him so that we can experience the fullness of what he's got for us. It's an exchange that happens. So Paul is saying by faith and patience, you would inherit the promises. By engaging the fullness, the bigger picture, by being challenged, by, by stepping beyond the baby food, you're going to inherit the promises. There's nothing wrong with getting to the end of our lives and we're born again and that's all we've experienced from God. Like we'll be really happy with that on the other side. <laughs> But there's more here. There's more now. There's more available right here. We're not meant to walk through life as though it's like we're just in panic all the time. We're meant to walk through life experiencing him. There were some questions that were asked last week in our class that I just, I'm going to pop them up on the screen. If you aren't in the class even, you could even screenshot them. But these are some things that prod us. Are we sluggish or Number one, what would you say has gotten you to this point of your spiritual journey? What habits, what behaviors, what engagement with God? What has gotten you to the level that you're at right now? What's, what's the stuff? What's the principles, practices of your life? What's the way you engage with him? Number two, what does the next level look like to you when it comes to your faith? So if this is where I'm at, this is what I did to get where I'm at, what is, what is more faith look like to you? What is more experience with God? What is more growth? What is, what is the next level look like to you? How would you describe it? 
Number three, what is something remarkable that you would like to see take place in your life or the lives of those you care about? Now here's the concept of sluggish. What if everything in your life is fine? You got a roof over your head, you got food in your fridge, you got gas in your car, your kids are healthy. What if everything in your life is fine? Then it's time to up the expectation. What does the next level look like for you? Because even when it comes to financially, it's God gives us bread for eating, seed for sowing, and enough to give to every good work. So if I'm good, I'm fine, it's maybe time to raise my expectation. God, I thank you for the fine. I thank you for providing. And I'm also asking for seed for sowing. I'm, I believe that there's some stuff I'm supposed to sow into. I'm believing for enough to give to every good work. I want to be able to sow into this ministry. I want to be able to sow into this person. I want to bless in this area. What is it about your health? Maybe you're healthy. I've got nothing to complain about. I'm good. Well, what about the next time you bump into somebody who's not? How about developing the faith that, can I pray for you? Can I bless you? Can I, you know, you're going to be home for this week. Can I bring you soup? Can I bring meals every day this week? Can I, whatever. What is it I'm putting, I'm putting a draw because I want to see a miracle. I want to see God move. I want to see the things happen. You know, like, yeah, our marriage is okay. We're a good solid 5.1 out of 10. <laughs> How about aiming for a seven at least, you know? Like something that would get you through university level, kind of like, what, what, what about you, you don't, you don't just like not fight anymore, but you actually get excited when you see each other. Like you actually enjoy each other. What about if, you know, your kids, what, like, yeah, no, our kids are doing fine. Are they excelling? Are they thriving? What about the things in your area? Like, no, we're doing fine. Our neighborhood is good. What happens if you go three blocks over? What do you see? Are you scared to drive down that road? Because if you are, should you maybe be praying into that? Should you be asking God, is there a way you can sow into it? Is there something that could be done? Could it be that we drift towards sluggishness because the actual growth of laying hold of the promises takes surrender and we're not sure we're ready for the change? But let me tell you, that's where the abundant life is. Feasting on his faithfulness is the full meal deal. You don't want to live on the mashed potatoes. We, we want more than mashed potato faith. We want the fullness of what God's got for us. And so Psalm 37, going back to this again, is this interesting, um, the whole psalm, like if I could give you homework this week, studying Psalm 37 is just so rich and so good. Because King David wrote it nearer to the end of his life. And so the things that he talks about, he talks about like, man, when... Lousy people flourish and when crappy things are happening and whatever. But then he talks about the goodness of God. And he says stuff like, you know, I've been young and I've, and I've been old and I've never seen God's kids begging for bread. Like I've, I've seen the goodness of God. But he has this full picture for it. And the first couple verses of Psalm 73, he's talking about like, don't worry about don't stress about when not so great people seem to be flourishing. And he goes into this verse, this passage that specifically says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feast on his faithfulness. And this, this verse here, I believe, is one of the major keys to helping us lay hold of or experience or exercise our senses to try out the things of God. It's, it's choosing him. We, it's super simple. Like some of us, we, we don't know how to apply that. Like how do I, through reason, have used my senses or trained to discern? Put it to the test. Like you don't know how far your, or how fast your car goes until you pin it. Right? I once had that accidentally happen to me. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was on a road trip going to a conference and had my music on, driving by myself, having a little alone time. And then Wayne gets in the vehicle after me and the thing shows up and it says maximum speed. And he's like, <laughs> when did this happen? I'm like, I, wow, hmm, I don't, wow. Didn't know it had that. That's quite the technology. But um, 
You know, yeah, totally blaming the, the music. It's uh, absolutely the music. But um, what is it in your faith? When was the last time you put it to the test? When was the last time you floored it and said, okay, let's see what Jesus can do. Let's see how much I can partner with him. Let's, you know, I would love to, I would love to see people get healed. I would love to see signs, wonders, and miracles. You know, when I lay hands on the sick, okay, if that's in your heart, how many people have you prayed for? What if the first 50 that you lay hands on don't get healed? Are you willing to do 51? Like, are, what, where are we willing to step up? Oh, I believe for, like, abundance and being debt-free. Okay, did you sow a seed? Well, no, the budget's tight. Put them to the test. Right? What, what are the things that God's asking you to do? I, I just want wholeness and health in my life and my relationships. Did you forgive that person? No. <laughs> Jerk. Didn't even apologize. When did we put the faith to the test? And so literally, trust in the Lord, do good, dwell in the land, feed on his faithfulness. This breakdown has four steps that even following through these four steps will help us lay hold of. It will help us get off the sluggish couch and choose him a little bit. Trust in the Lord. Straight up, the, the verse that corresponds with that is Proverbs 3, 5. So King David's son, Solomon, wrote this, right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. That's the definition of trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. See, the lean on my own understanding is like, well, I feel like God's asked me to do this, but I have no idea how that would happen. Like, how would, that, how, would that even, how would that even work? Like, I have no idea. I don't think I have all the, the things that I would need to do that. But God's saying, trust me in this. Step out in this. Risk it. Put yourself on the line. I'm with you. Like, the things that God is nudging you towards, you know, we've been, we went around um, our staff meeting this past week and just talked about the stuff that we're grateful for as a staff. And... Um, Man, we were all blubbering at the table. It was wild. But do you know, nobody was like, you know, it wasn't like happy, pappy, like, you know, oh, my new car, oh, my new whatever. It was deep stuff. It was the places where we've experienced God move in our lives in some area that almost always started with something painful. Almost always something that was like, man, this was harsh. This was hard. We didn't think we'd make it through this. And yet God did this. That is trusting the Lord and leaning not on our own understanding. It's digging in for who he actually is. It's not saying I'm, I'm afraid to get my hopes up. It's saying if God says it's possible, I'm going to risk it. Yeah. Well, what if it doesn't come to pass? Well, you will have experienced more of his faithfulness than you did before. So it's worth at least giving it a go. Trust in the Lord. Trust literally means be confident, secure, bold. That's what it means. Number two, then it says to do good. Trust in the Lord and do good. How do I experience the faithfulness of God? How do I experience the fullness of God? Do good. And literally this means do the right thing. The right thing's not always fun. The right thing does not always seem... You, we all can identify. If the Spirit of God lives in us, we can identify the right thing. And the right thing and the right now thing are not always compatible. My right now thing might be to respond fully in the flesh in some area. It might be to self-protect, self-guard, whatever. But the right thing to do is the thing that carries the presence of God on it. It is choosing to forgive. It is choosing to walk towards somebody who has walked away from you. It is choosing to, to bless and, and to be a blessing. It's choosing to serve. It's choosing to give. It's choosing to love. It's choosing to pray. It's choosing to allow God to use you for his purposes. It's literally coming into agreement with who he is and what he has planned and asking in every day, God, what do you want to do with my life? I'm completely surrendered. Today, I want to do good. I'm not sitting here waiting for a breakthrough. I'm going to be somebody else's breakthrough. Yeah, I'm, I'm, going to, I'm, I'm going to move on what it is that you've put on my heart to do today. And even if I don't understand, it's the little things. It's the stuff. You know, it happens all the time 
when people are obedient, that you'll, you'll have this sense, this nudge, you know, I feel to buy a gift, I feel to send a card, I feel to send a little note, I feel to pray, whatever. Almost always, if you have that nudge and step out on it, the person on the other end of that is that I had, like, you have no idea how badly I needed that today. Almost 100% of the time. So the blockage is in us. And instead, sometimes we're like, no, that's scary. And we run the other way and dive in the hole. Like, honestly, picture this, this freedom that comes with going beside still waters in green pastures through the valley of the shadow of death. The stuff that Psalm 23 talks about is all about experiencing what it looks like to walk with the good shepherd. Not just walk knowing he's up there somewhere and he'll get me out of a hole if I get in one. It's, it's like it's every day life, right, that he's calling us into. So do good. While I'm waiting, I'm serving. While I'm waiting, I'm loving. While I'm waiting, I'm caring. While I'm waiting, I am doing what is right in his eyes. Number three, then, it says, trust in the Lord, do good. Dwell in the land. To dwell literally means to reside or permanently stay. And I was thinking about this. Um, Wayne and I are huge um, alone fans, TV show, anybody else watching? I, there's a few of us in the house. I mean, I'm not eating a beaver anytime soon, but um, for those who don't know, alone is this show where people get dropped off in these desolate kind of situations for fun. They, they sign up for this. Um, they get to pick 10 items that they can carry in their backpack, and their goal is to survive longer than all the other contestants. They don't see anybody. They don't talk to anybody. They're out there on their own, alone, surviving off the land for as long as they possibly can, and whoever's the last one standing gets half a million dollars. So they eat mice. They'll go for like 10 days without eating, blah, 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 all this stuff. But one of the things that I, I think is very interesting is as the show has developed, um, there's been a mindset of this is where I live. So some of the beginning ones, people would like not really build a shelter. It was just like a temporary thing. And oh, I'm going to be here for the long haul. But they didn't really live to live there. You know what I mean? Like it was like it was it was temporary. And a lot of the more recent seasons, people are coming in and they're like building log cabins and they're building stone fireplaces and whatever. And if nothing else, it keeps their minds in the right direction because I'm here to stay. I am dwelling in the land. And you see this shift towards gratitude where instead of they're just being desperate to find food, they're grateful when they find food. Like there's a there's a shift in how they play the game and it's gotten so that people can stay a lot longer than they ever could before. And their, their um, internal fortitude, their mental strength is much stronger than it used to be. And so this thing happens when we decide to dwell in the land, to, to put down roots, to be present. It means that we're not hanging on to the past and we're not holding out for the future. It means that today I am living here. I am living it fully. I am grateful for what I've got. I'm maybe believing for more, but I am grateful for what I have right now. And I'm right here now, so I'm not hanging on to and regurgitating and redigging and restirring what is behind me. Today, I have breath in my lungs. I have health in my body. I have a purpose. I have an assignment. God has put something in my hands to work with. And so today, I am going to dwell in the land. I am going to live here. I am going to be part of his purposes on the earth today. I am not going to be pining away for someday. I'm going to live here now. How do you feast on his faithfulness? You're, you're in it right now. It's, it's a feast. We have a um, thing in our culture where we're always on the next season. Like, has anybody noticed, like, there's, I mean, every, every store is, like, grossly decorated for Halloween right now, but like on a half an aisle behind them is Christmas. Yes. Like right there. And I'm sure if you dug just a little further, Valentine's is right behind the Christmas stuff because it, it pops out like January 2nd. Like it's right there. We are, we are trained to always, we're looking for the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. God's like dwell in the land. Yeah. 
today. His mercies are new every morning. His provision is there for today. His faithfulness is here for today. I, I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know right now, today, he's got me. Right now, today, he's carrying me through. Right now, today, he's given me assignment. So I'm going to live in that. I'm going to dwell in this land, and I'm going to walk in partnership with him, and I'm going to see what he has planned for today. That's living. That's in the faithfulness of God. And then finally, it literally says to feed on his faithfulness. Now, this is where the word gets weird. So the, the Passion Translation says feast on his faithfulness. The New King James says feed on his faithfulness. For the old school amongst us, King James says, verily thou shall be fed. <laughs> Just so you know, NIV says enjoying safe pasture. The ESV says, trust in the Lord and do good, dwell in the land, and befriend faithfulness. Literally, they say why it's such a diverse verse is because it is an action. It's a verb, and it means to be shepherded. To be shepherded. So you might have a shepherd, but you don't want to be shepherded. Anybody? You might have a shepherd, but you don't want to be shepherded. Feasting on his faithfulness is allowing the shepherd to shepherd us. It's allowing him to lead us, to guide us. Literally, it says that we feed or we feast on his faithfulness. Faithful means, like we talked about last week, trustworthy, stable, steady, trustful, and truth. 2 Timothy 2.13 says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. So if faithful means trustworthy and truth, it means that I am being shepherded. I choose to be shepherded by the truth. I choose to be shepherded by the one who is trustworthy. I choose to be shepherded by the one who actually is the stable force of life. It means that I am not then leaning on my own understanding, which honestly is pretty feeble. Our understanding changes every time we read something new or hear something new, but he is stable. So instead of I'm in control of my life and I'm going to ask God to bless it, feasting on his faithfulness is allowing him to be the shepherd. That when I, when I recite Psalm 20, 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It means I have chosen for him to be my shepherd I am not going to want. I am not going to chase my own stuff. I am not going to be about my own business. I am going to be feasting on his faithfulness. I am going to be trusting where he's leading. I'm going to be going where he's sending. I'm going to be doing what he's asking. I am choosing to grow in that place. And the good thing about that is then faith develops. Then fruit comes out of our lives. Then we experience more than the basics of faith. And just as we finish with this one, just to go back, when Paul talked about, you know, you should be past milk, he describes milk as these things. The elementary principles such as repentance, faith, baptism, laying on of hands, resurrection, and eternal judgment. He says that's all just baby food. That's the, that's the ground level. If we're still fussing about that, we've not even begun yet. That is just the beginning steps. But there are greater promises that are assigned to our account, things that we are meant to walk in. But it will take us choosing him. It will take us choosing this pursuit. Can we stand together this morning? And I'm going to have the worship team come back up. And again, we had the soft approach to that this morning when we sang earlier about I will be a living sacrifice and the choice of laying my life down and the, the more of it that God has called us to and the decision that we make. And sometimes it's really easy to sing that song when we're just listening to the melody, we're listening to the tune, and we just, we just get caught away in it. But I want us to just, as we finish today, we're going to sing it one more time from this perspective. That choosing this is actually choosing to feast on his faithfulness. It's actually choosing to partake. It's choosing to be shepherded by the one who is faithful. It's choosing to, yes, lay down my life. But it's not like it's, you know, all on, on my end. Like, wow, God must be so happy that I'm giving him everything. No, God is the good shepherd 
who wants to give us everything. And he's like, finally, we can maybe do something together. Like if you're willing to finally let something go, we could do this together. When was the last time you put your faith to the test? When was the last time you stretched to believe for something? When was the last time you put a draw on his faithfulness? Contentment is good. Gratitude is necessary. But faith is this active thing that should be growing day by day in our lives, where we experience more and more and more of him. There's this um, space that God's calling us into that is absolutely the faith zone. I believe that there's this stirring on the inside of many of us, even in the room today, that you're like, I want to see more of God. I want to see the miracles. I want to see the stuff. We've got a picture upstairs. Can you just pop this on the screen? This is a family picture of ours. This past week, we've got... Um, Wayne's sister lives in southern Saskatchewan and they had crazy fires going through. Obviously it's flat forever and the wind picked up and I think it was like 90 kilometers an hour, something like that. And it was heading so fast towards their farm. They have like a, a lot of land and she said, we don't have time to go get any of our equipment. Like we're, we can't get in there. We checked the roads and it's like the fire's just going straight towards it. So can we just pray? So the family just started praying, and a few minutes later, she sends us this picture. So if we can just, you have to like focus on it for a little bit. But this is their tractor, and you can see the fire came up and went around and left their equipment completely fine. Isn't that cool? When was the last time you asked the wind to change? When was the last time you, you said, I know the master of the wind, and so I'm asking for a miracle? When was the last time? You, like, this is just a practical thing. In our own household, we had um, our kids, I, won't, I don't want to share their testimony too much, but our kids were in the process of buying a new house because they desperately, desperately needed more space. And the day the conditions were supposed to come off the sale of their house, which they've been trying to sell for two years, they got a message from um, the realtor saying that uh, the people have concerns, blah, 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 they're walking away. And they were supposed to be moving the next week. So we just immediately went into prayer. There was a lot of things that happened. Some of the family in this house actually jumped in and physically helped in, in amazing ways. But um, we just asked God, like, what do you have to say about this? And God gave the word resurrection, declare resurrection. Because we're like, well, maybe like God could send another buyer, like maybe whatever. And God said, declare resurrection. So all weekend, it was a three-day weekend, we started praying. We just declared resurrection. And we started praying resurrection life over this deal and over their future. And we started saying, no, enemy, you do not get to steal from the children of God. You don't get to come back with this poverty spirit from the past and try and own the future. You're not part of this relationship anymore. And so we declared life and we declared resurrection over the deal. Monday morning, they get a phone call and the people say, actually, we're in. We'll take it. I know! Like that never happens, except the spirit of fear came in and started to maneuver some stuff. And so when was the last time when the enemy came and he spit something at you that you spit it back? When was the last time you said, not today, devil, I do not receive this in my household. I do not accept that diagnosis. I do not accept that future. I do not accept that declaration. This is not what God says about me. This is not what God says about my marriage. This is not what God says about my children. This is not what God says about my business. This is not what God says about my future. This is not of him. And so I am choosing to feast on his faithfulness. I believe that he will walk me through the valley of the shadow of death and I will fear no evil. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. There has got to be a place where we grow up in our faith beyond I'm glad I'm going to heaven and we decide I am living by faith today. I will experience the goodness of God in the land of the living. That doesn't come by accident. 
God doesn't come, just doesn't land on you because you had a prayer time at the altar. It comes through reason of use, having your senses trained to discern between good and evil. It comes from activating faith and deciding to put a draw on the promises of God, getting to know Him, feasting on His faithfulness, feasting on His faithfulness. And God, we thank you today for your word. We thank you, Lord, for the testimony of King David that we can read in Psalm 37, that at the end of his life, he'd experienced all sorts of stuff. He'd experienced the death of a child, the failing of a marriage. He'd experienced war. He'd experienced peace. He'd experienced health issues. He'd experienced betrayal. He'd experienced it all. But at the end of his life, he talked about feasting on your faithfulness. He talked about how worthy you are to be trusted. He talked about dwelling in the land with you. Lord, today we thank you that that example has been proven out time and time and time again. Lord, by the giants of faith and for some of us right in our own homes and everywhere in between. But God, I thank you that you are calling this body to be a body of faith. People who stand up and declare the goodness of God. People who speak life in places of death and darkness, God. People who experience the miraculous at work because you are still God. Because the enemy has been defeated. Because you are the victorious one and we are yours. Lord, I thank you for helping us to shake off every spirit of slumber, every sluggish attitude right now in Jesus' name. We choose to just shake it off. Every place of apathy, we shake it off right now in Jesus' name. Every place of false comfort, we shake it off in Jesus' name. Every place where we've settled for good enough when you've called us to best, God, we shake it off in Jesus' name. And Lord, we believe according to your word that you will and are doing exceedingly, abundantly, above what we can ask, think, or imagine according to the power that works in us. God, help us to be aware of the power that works in us. Lord, help us to develop our senses. Help us to learn to taste what is good, to taste and see that you are good, Lord. Help us to not forget your benefits, God. Help us to not lean on our own understanding, but to acknowledge you, to lean on you, to follow you. Help us to decide to be shepherded in every day and in every decision. And God, I thank you for the greater than days that are before us, God. I declare over this house, we shall see the goodness of God in the land of the living and we thank you for it in Jesus name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this message from Victory Church Grand Prairie. You can stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by using at Victory Church GP. If you have any questions, would like to access our online resources, or would like to sow into this ministry, you can visit us at www.victorygp.com. You can also text to give, just text 587-207-4387 and follow the prompting. Thanks again for joining us at Victory GP. Reach, teach, mobilize.